Good morning, everyone. A beautiful summer day today. Oh, sorry, yesterday. I had that in my notes, but it was yesterday. Yes, today's a good day, too. Today's a good day, too. Uh, I want to thank you uh, for those that have known about uh, my mother-in-law. My in-laws went, who are living here now, uh, went down to New Brunswick uh, just a few days after getting there. Mother-in-law fell and uh, broke her hip and her shoulder blade. And so she just got out of the hospital uh, after being in there three weeks, and, uh, but they're on their way home today. And uh, so Leanne's in Toronto. She'll meet them in Toronto, and then they'll fly here tonight. But please keep her in her prayers. There's still uh, a lot of recovery there and difficulties with that. But I just wanted to let you know, and I know many of you have been asking about them and been praying for them. So thank you very much for that. Um, I got thinking, dealing with this topic, and I'll mention that in a moment, the, the seven vices and seven virtues, but have you ever wanted something and wanted it really bad that you were, you were willing to do almost anything to get it? Now, sometimes you can think of kids. Remember the kids or, you know, when you were a kid and you really wanted something and, you know, you saved, you worked for it, or you just bugged your parents until you finally got it. You remember that? Uh, we're experiencing that a little bit with our grandkids, uh, our grandson, you know, there's things that he wants, but some of them are kind of expensive, and so his parents have kind of worked it with him, you know, to do odd jobs around, and he earns the money, and the idea of paying half of it, that type of thing, which is all good, but the idea is you want something so bad that you just have to have it. Now, some of the funny things is, you know, you get these Christmas gifts that the kids just have to have. And, you know, where do they end up after a while, right? It kind of changes things. We've been dealing with a series, and we've started this the fourth week into the seven vices and seven virtues. Uh, Last week, Pastor spoke on a message called, anyone remember? Whatever. (laughs) That's actually the title, whatever. (laughs) And, uh, but dealing with sloth, you know, sloth. Sloth is unique. Uh, compared to all the other vices, sloth is, is about omission. It's about what we don't do, was the pastor's message. It's the absence of positive uh, behavior rather than the presence of negative behavior. Today we're talking about passion. And our text today is found in 2 Corinthians chapter 6, uh, starting to read at verse 2. I'm going to read the first part, which I think is going to be blue, and then you'll read the second part. But let's stand together. right. Behold, now is the favorable time. Behold, now is the day of salvation. We put no obstacle in anyone's way so that no fault may be found with our ministry. But as servants of God, we commend ourselves in every way by great endurance in afflictions, hardships, calamities, beatings, imprisonments, riots, labors, Sleepless nights, hunger, by purity, knowledge, patience, kindness, and the Holy Spirit. Genuine love, by truthful speech, and the power of God.
Very good. I wanted to do it the pastor style just to see how he did reading the second part, but you did really good. You did really good. Let's pray. Our Heavenly Father, we thank you for this time we have to worship. And God, even as we worshiped your, your presence, uh, just reminding us again of your amazing love and God, all that you have done for us. Pray now, God, that you'd open your word, open our hearts, that we might receive your word, and God, all for your glory and honor, we pray. Amen. You may be seated. So what's the difference between a, an observer and a participant? The title of my message. Or you can go on and look at other ideas. What's the difference between a, you know, someone who's a hobbyist and an enthusiast? Someone who has a passionate interest and someone who is an act, a passing in, interest or someone who's an activist. Someone who just watches versus someone who contributes. A spectator versus a team player. A fan versus a follower. What about someone who kind of dabbles with something as opposed to someone who is all in, who is committed? What makes the difference? At some level, there is an enthusiasm, a desire, a passion that leads to action. Passion can be defined as a, a strong liking or desire for or devotion to some activity, object, or concept. A strong or an extravagant fondness, enthusiasm, or desire for anything. In dealing with the seven vices and the seven virtues, sloth, again, reminding us last week, is is about omission, what we don't do. But passion is more than just a feeling. Passion is about action. It's, It's about doing something. Letting your passion come out. Let it be seen. Jesus said in John chapter 14, If you love me, you will keep my commandments. James write in James chapter 2, What good is it, my brother, if someone says he has faith but does not have works? Can that faith save him? If a brother or sister is poorly clothed and lacking in daily food, and one of you says to them, Go in peace, be warm and filled, without giving them the things needed for the body, what good is that? So also faith by itself, if it does not have works, is dead. But someone will say, you have faith, and I have works. Show me your faith apart from your works, and I will show you my faith by my works. Now, we know that we are not saved by works. Like even like we sang today, we are saved because of the mercy, the grace, and the blood of Jesus Christ, and our faith in that. Amen? But what James is talking about, that is if we say we have faith, then it should be seen by what we do. God, we can see it through God. One of my favorite verses is John 3.16. For God so loved the world that he gave. That he gave his only son. That whoever believes in him shall not perish, but have everlasting life. Even God demonstrated his passion with action. You see, our faith, our love, our passion is revealed by actions, by what comes out of us. Uh, Leanne's not here. Hopefully she's not listening. Um, And some of you have heard, I've mentioned it before, bits and pieces. Um, Now, this may surprise you. Pastor's not allowed to make comments. 
I don't always make the best first impressions. I know, I know that's hard to believe. Uh, and even in Bible college, um, I, I, I wasn't the best at my first impressions. And you can definitely check with Leanne. Uh, when I saw Leanne at Bible college, I was the second year, she was the first year. And I mean, I saw her walking across the foyer of uh, the Bible college, and I was on the stairs, I was with a friend, and uh, I stopped, I looked at her, and I told my friend, that's who I'm going to marry. Now, I'm not promoting love at first sight and all that, but um, I had really prayed, and uh, God just really just put her in my heart. Now, it would be lovely to say that Leanne felt the same way. Um, <laughs> um, uh, she didn't. Okay, there's really no other way, way to put it. Um, even my first introducing myself to her was not, probably not my best moment. Okay, we'll leave it at that. And, um, but you see, I, I really believed at that moment, God put her in my heart. And uh, I asked her in September to go to the Christmas banquet with me. Yeah. I want to get in there early. <laughs> and, uh, well, she said, let me think about it. And then comes back with no. So, um, I, had, I had the option to kind of just let it go or to take what I believe God put in my heart for her and just work at being friends. And so that's what I did. Okay, I put her on the hands-off list so that everyone in school knew I liked her so she stopped getting invited out. <laughs> she found out about that and that didn't go over well either. Uh, she was hanging around with a bunch of friends that really weren't you know, weren't problems, but weren't really my, but I just started hanging around with them. And um, when she did go out, now you've got to realize that back then it wasn't called stalking, okay? <laughs> it was, I just happened to show up when she was out. <laughs> so we didn't have all these modern terms now back then. What I'm trying to say through this illustration is, I'm a stalker. Um, no, pastor. Um, God put something in my heart for her, and I just I wasn't going to just let it go. And um, it was probably I don't know six. Well, it was it was. We became friends, and that's where it was. I, and I was fine with that. We became friends. We would talk. We would hang around with the group, or even ourselves, and. Uh, on March 4th, so met her in September, on the next March, March 4th, at a quarter to 10 at night in Toronto, um, I asked her if she would go out with me. Now I said, what would you, now I kind of worded it softly, I had learned, I said, what would you say if I asked you to, uh, to go out with me? And she goes, well, I'd probably want to talk about it. <laughs> That's not a no. So I said, well, let's talk. <laughs> and so at a quarter to 10 at night, we officially started dating on March 4th. 
Um, for years and years, that was our anniversary, that we would remember that. God has given us so much. And I couldn't keep what I believe God put in my heart for Leanne, even when it was hard and wasn't returned. And I, I was just willing to be your friend if that's all she wanted. But it came out. I couldn't, I couldn't just hold it in. It came out. I want to read the text to you today, and I want to read it in the message translation. It goes like this. Well, now is the right time to listen, the day to be helped. Don't put it off. Don't frustrate God's work by showing up late, throwing a question mark over everything we're doing. Our work as God's servants gets, gets validated or not in the details. People are watching us as we stay at our post, alertly, unswervingly, in hard times, tough times, bad times, when we're beaten up, jailed, mobbed, working hard, working late, working without eating, with pure heart, clean head, a clear head, steady hand, in gentleness, holiness, and honest love, when we're telling the truth and when God's showing his power, when we're doing our best, setting things right, when we're praised and when we're blamed, slandered, and honored, true to our word, though, dis, through dis, though dis, distrusted, sorry, ignored by the world, but recognized by God, terrifically alive, though rumored to be dead, beaten within an inch of our lives, but refusing to die, immersed in tears, yet always filled with deep joy, living on handouts, yet enriching many, having nothing, having it all. Can you feel, can you see the passion in those verses? The gospel is a message. It is a word. It is, it is a, a something that we do need to receive and believe, but it is also something that we live. And it should be the passion of our life. Can you sense the people committed to no matter what happens, to, fill, to fulfill their lives in something that they believe in. There are people of action. That what they believe is more than just a feeling or a thought or an idea. It affects, it affects every area of their life. Now background, the early church, of course, knew, they knew blessings. They knew the move of God, but they also knew difficulties and challenges. They knew persecution. In Acts 8, we read this. And there arose on that day a great persecution against the church in Jerusalem. And they were all scattered throughout the regions of Judea and Samaria, except the apostles. Devout men buried Stephen and made great lamentation over him. But Saul was ravaging the church. And entering house after house, he dragged off men and women and committed them to prison. Now those who were scattered went about preaching the word. They knew great blessings, but they also knew great difficulties. But that last line amazes me. Even though they are persecuted and forced to leave, for some in fear of their lives, when they went, they went preaching the word. In church history, we can look at the church and many things have been done, some good and some not good. 
in the name of the church. Yet the church is still here 2,000 years later. Christians today around the world, they can know great blessing, prosperity, when you think of the West, North America. But they can also notice no great difficulties and challenges. Yet in everyday lives, in ordinary ways, the ministry and witness of Christ is being lived out daily. The Apostle Paul, he was a man of passion. If you look at his life, even that passage that we just read when it referred to Saul is this Paul that wrote this passage. His personality type just seems to be a passionate guy. Before Christ and after Christ, he was committed to what he believed in and what he was doing. The one before Christ, he was doing in ignorance. He was doing not knowing Christ. But once he came to know Christ, there was a change. And once he was a persecutor of the church, now he became a missionary and evangelist, spreading the gospel, defending the gospel, sharing the gospel, living the gospel, no matter what. He was a man of action, living it out, living out his faith, living out his passion. Galatians also talks about this, Paul, and, and also in Philippians 3, about his old life and the new. It's an incredible story. It's an incredible life. It's an incredible passion. And again, realize that passion is more than just a feeling. Passion is about action. Paul says this in Colossians 3, and whatever you do in word or deed, do everything in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. Again, in Colossians, we read this, whatever you do, work heartily as if for the Lord and not for men. Whatever you do, work at it as for the Lord. There's a powerful message there, people. Sometimes we're doing things that maybe we don't enjoy. Have you had a job that you don't like? How many love laundry. It's a passion. Because I've got a couple baskets I can bring over to help you. I did a bunch of laundry. The kids are gone. Leanne, I've got to have the house clean before she gets home tonight if I know what's good for me. Everything we do, and I've learned this. God taught me this. Even if we're doing a job that we don't enjoy, and I'm not saying this job, I love this job. I've, I've had other jobs, other places. And um, what turned it around, what made the difference in my life was starting to do it for the Lord and not for a paycheck, not because I loved it every day. God put me there, and until he moved me somewhere else, I decided to do it for his glory and for his honor. So no matter what I was doing, I was striving, not always perfect at all, but to do it for him. So how do we get a passion for God? You can look at a hobby or an interest or a sport. How do we get good at it? And there's all different kinds of ideas. There's all different kinds of thoughts, usually by just committing to do it. Sometimes you have a natural interest or sometimes someone influenced you in that. Sometimes you're just good at something and so you just keep going. Whatever it is, we work at it. Tozer, A.W. Tozer wrote this. It's a quote I got from him. Again, the English is a little bit older, but the message is great. Before a sinful man can think right thoughts of God, there must be a work of enlightenment done within him. 
This is the secret cause of all desiring and seeking after God. Jesus said, no man can come to me except the Father who sent me draws him. The impulse to pursue God originates with God, but the outworking of that impulse is our following hard after him. Though all is of God, man is charged with the responsibility of pursuing God. On his part, there must be positive reciprocation of if that secret drawing of God is to eventuate in an identification experience, identifiable experience of the divine. The writer of the psalmist says this, as the deer pants for the water brooks, so my soul pants for thee, O God. My soul thirsts for God, for the living God. A passion for God begins with God. God revealing himself to our heart. We can call it an ignition or the spark that starts that faith, that develops that. You can maybe remember that. I was seven when I received Christ, but it was such a powerful, real experience. But it began with God. Our responsibility then is to take that spark that he puts within us and develop it, to pursue after God. So, how do we keep, how do we cultivate a passion for God? I want to share with you a verse that really, it stirred my heart as a young person when I read it, and really affected my life and my relationship with God. It's in Matthew 24, it's talking about the end times, it's Jesus speaking here. He goes, for many others, the overwhelming spread of evil will do them in. Nothing left of their love but a mound of ash. The Living Bible says, says this, sin will be rampant everywhere and will cool the love of many. The NIV puts it this way, because of the increase of wickedness, the love of most will grow cold. Now, it's not about fear, but what really stirred my heart is the idea of fear is my, my love, my passion for God going out. And as a young person, I didn't want that. I didn't want that to happen. And I ask God, God, don't let that happen. It stirred my heart to, to seek him, to draw near to him. It's become something ingrained. I wish I could say I was perfect. I'm not. But I'm stirred by the love of God and his love for me. I am stirred still to this day. There's a song, uh, Elevation Worship has put out, I found it, this, uh, probably a couple years or a year or whatever. I Can't Believe is the name of the song. It, I mean, it, the song is basically, I can't believe the price that was paid for me. But Jesus did for my salvation, for our salvation, still stirs my heart. And it should. It should. His love for us should still stir us. I shared more about Leanne than I had planned in the notes. And I say this, and I say this only as an illustration to share it with you. 
But I tell Leanne that I still see her as that college girl walking through the lobby at the Bible College. And to be honest and, and honest, and I tell her that, she doesn't believe me, but it's true. I, I think she's prettier now than she was then. Now, that's, and I prayed for that as a young person. But our love for God should be that and more. Amen? If I can have those feelings and say that about my wife, I should be saying that 10 times, 100 times more for God. Amen? Amen. Going on real quickly. Um, So how do we keep it? I've already mentioned it, the idea of prayer. Ask God for it. Ask him to keep that, that love, that passion, that desire alive, and then watch out, because he will, but the journey you'll go through for him to work that in your life will be a journey, but it will produce the fruit, and he will answer your prayer. God wants you to know him more than you want to know him. The next part is desire it, want it, choose it. This is our part. This is the working at it. Again, that passion that began with God, he's the one who ignited it and sparked it within us. Maybe your salvation was a process. Maybe it took a while for God to really get a hold of you and for you to come to the place where you received him as Lord and Savior. Maybe for some it was you heard the message and it just, it just happened and you did it and God changed your life. However it happened, it was God who began that working within you drawing you, revealing himself to you. Now it's our turn to take our passion and put it into action. Our text, the the life of Paul, what they did, what they endured, was not always because it felt good. It wasn't always easy for them. Read the text again. Read the difficulties, the challenges, physically what they endured. Paul was beaten, left for dead because they had taken rocks and stoned him outside of a city. They were beaten and put into uh, the darkest hole of a jail, chained there. And yet at midnight, they're singing. Not because they felt good, but because there was a love and a passion for God, because God was good no matter how they felt. Amen? God was good, and God was with them. God is worthy of our best. Christianity is not always convenient. Sometimes it's hard. Sometimes it is challenging. Sometimes it does mean dying to self, changing. How many love change? Come on, you'll love it. I don't know if I saw anyone, sorry. But you know what? Living for God doesn't mean staying the same. Living for God does mean changing. And sometimes that's hard. But it's the best. It is the best way to go. What he wants for you is the best. If we could just trust him with that. 
when he's trying to shape us and mold us like that clay a few weeks ago I spoke about. The clay, sometimes we resist. We find it hard. We want to be this type of vessel, and he seems to be making us into something else, and we fight back. If we could just trust him, that he's working within our lives for something that will bring him glory, and that that becomes our greatest desire. That God be glorified. Not that I be glorified, but that God would be glorified. Luke chapter 10 says this. Jesus talking, and he answered, You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your strength, with all your mind, and your neighbor as yourself. That was true in the Old Testament. It's true in the New Testament. It was true back then. It is true for day, today. We have to keep the fires burning that God put within our heart. There's a story I found. I won't share it about a missionary sent some people out to, to hunt, but they had built night fires for protection. But in the night, they allowed the fires to go out. When the missionary went to find them the next morning, none of them were there. We have to keep our fires burning. We have to keep our fires burning. Paul says in Romans, Romans 12, let love be genuine, abhor what is evil, hold fast to what is good, love one another with brotherly affection, outdo one another in showing honor. Do not be slothful in zeal, be fervent in spirit, serve the Lord, rejoice in hope, be patient in tribulation, be constant in prayer, contribute to the needs of the saints and seek to show hospitality. Bless those who persecute you. Bless and do not curse them. Rejoice with those who rejoice. Weep with those who weep. Live in harmony with one another. Do not be haughty, but, in, but associate with the lowly. Never be wise in your own sight. Repay no evil for evil, but give thought to what is honorable in the sight of all. If possible, so far as it depends on you, live peacefully. With all, behold, never avenge yourself, but leave it uh, to the wrath of God. For it is written, vengeance is mine. I will repay, says the Lord. To the contrary, if your enemy is hungry, feed him. If he is thirsty, give him something to drink. For by so doing, you will heap burning coals on his head. Do not be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. Passion. Actions, a lifestyle, how we live, living our faith, living our life worthy of the price that was paid for it. Lastly, experience it. Now, passion is more than a feeling, but it is also something that we can experience. The passion you have for a sport or an activity, a hobby, a person, whatever, is something that you feel. Usually, if people are passionate about something, you can even see it by how they live, by, by them wanting to participate. If it's a sport or activity, whatever it is, they're passionate about it. Sometimes they talk about it. They talk about it so much you're like, oh, okay, I get it, I get it. Why is God worthy of less than a sport, a hobby, an activity? Why do we assume that God should just, you know, be satisfied with whatever we give him? 
James, James says, draw near to God, and he will draw near to you. And God understands, and he knows your life. He does. He knows how busy you are. He knows your schedules. He knows the demands on your life. But remember, God knows your life. If, if you've got you know, a couple hours to do a personal activity, a hobby, a sport, something you enjoy, and you give God 15 minutes, he knows your time. I've had the jobs where I've done the church, but I had other jobs, I had the home, the family. And it was hard. God, God understood the time I had, even to prepare, and he blessed that time, even though it was smaller. But once I became uh, in, in full-time ministry, then seeking him and more time I had to prepare, he expected that. So God knows how much time, and he will bless your time. If it is small, he will bless it and meet with you. But God knows, and he's worthy of a share of that time. Amen? And it's in seeking him and drawing near to him that he draws near to us and changes our life and turns our life around. In closing, I want to share briefly a story. A little while ago, I was um, invited, to, um, invited to share with someone it was an end-of-life type of um, visit. They didn't go to church. There was some connection in the past, and they called. We were able to talk and share, and I asked some questions. This person seemed to have doubts. Even the idea of not going to church felt unworthy. As we talked, this phrase came into my spirit by the Holy Spirit, and I shared it with him. And I said to him, I believe God's spirit prompted me that God sees you as someone worth dying for. And we began to talk about that, and I shared John 3.16, that God did not send Jesus to die for the mountains, the ocean, the prairies, physical things. God so loved you and me that he sent Christ to come to this earth, to die, to pay the price for our sins. The early church, the disciples, they knew, they understood this. They, they knew what crucifixion was. They had seen it. Some of them in the early days, the apostles had seen Christ on the cross. But others in the Roman Empire, they, they knew what crucifixion was. There was an understanding. Then they heard firsthand accounts. They understood, maybe better than we do, what price was paid. 2,000 years later, Christians can still experience that passion. You see, it was my sin that put Christ on the cross. But years ago, God revealed to me that it was his love for me that kept him there. This man, he prayed after talking, and uh, he received Christ. All in his own, it was an incredible prayer. Beautiful, simple, but beautiful. I prayed for him, and as we were talking afterwards, he goes, I feel better. I don't know how it all orchestrated. It was a God thing that made the connection and got me to connect with him and 
But God was drawing and working in his life and uses other people. So no matter what happens to this man, live or, or die, we all will die, but in his present condition. He's at red, he's red, he's at peace. He felt that, he experienced that. In this world, there can be just thousands of things that can distract us and pull us, even our passion. Last night, in driving home, after dropping everyone off down south, what a beautiful day yesterday. Isn't that nice? I spent it in the car. <laughs> um, but driving home, um, it was really clouding over Sudbury. And uh, I love the sky, I love sunset, but it was really cloudy. And God really stirred my heart with the whole idea that, in dealing with this message, that we have those days where God, we receive Christ, and it's just that bright, sunny day. But then life goes on, and clouds sometimes seem to move in. Situations and circumstances that we go through, people, what people do to us, what people say to us, can sometimes kind of move in and become like those clouds that seem to block out the sun. But as I was driving in, you could see little breaks in the clouds, and the sun was shining through. You see, the sun is still shining. The day is still bright and clear. Don't let anyone or anything cloud out the passion that God has for you and your passion for him. Don't let anyone speak into your life anything that clouds that over. Even your own mistakes, and we've all done them, that does not define who you are in Christ Jesus. Do you hear me? Even our own mistakes, even our own sins after coming to Christ does not define who you are in Christ Jesus. What defines you in God is the cross of Jesus Christ, is the blood of Jesus Christ, is the price that was paid for you. That's who defines who you are in Christ. You are a child of God. You are loved by him. And you are to live in a bright, sunny day of his passion and his love. Now the sun is shining, but you've got to clear those clouds. You've got to let go of things that entangled you, that hold you down. You've got to let go of those thoughts and those things that were spoken into you that cloud out the passion for God so that you can walk each day in the love, in the joy of who you are in Christ Jesus. You hear me, church? That's what God wants for you. No one can tell you who you are. God tells you who you are. You are forgiven. And you are loved. And we need to rise every day. Brush those clouds away in the name of Jesus. And walk a shiny day. Outside should not determine how you live for God. What's inside should determine how you live. Amen? God deserves our best. None of us are perfect. 